You are tuned to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine, and this is Get the Funk Out. On today's show, we're talking to author Mitch Princeton, author of Popular, The Power of Likeability in a Status-Obsessed World. Mitch Princeton is a leading psychologist, and he examines how our popularity affects our success, our relationships, and our happiness, and why we don't always want to be the most popular. It's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show, Mitch Princeton. Thanks for having me. I have really enjoyed your book, Popular, The Power of Likeability in a Status-Obsessed World, and I love that you noted that you were not popular when you were younger. What, <laughs> what inspired you to write this? Oh, I've always been so fascinated by popularity. Even as a little kid, I remember noticing the differences in people, and that kind of led me to graduate school to study this topic. But when I got there, I was so surprised that popularity is not just something that it matters to kids, but it affects us for so long in our lives and yes. plays out in so many different contexts. Oh, yeah. I feel like sometimes when you think back to your, you know, seven-year-old self, we were trying too hard to be popular or trying to be too hard to be <laughs> liked. Yeah, maybe so, especially um, as we get to that adolescent transition when there's something actually that happens to us in our brains that makes us care about popularity more than we did before. Now, you talk about the distinction between status and likability. Could you talk about that a little bit for the listeners? Sure. Uh, most people don't realize that there are two different kinds of popularity. Likeability is the kind that we were attuned to even when we were three and four years old. And it really reflects those people who make us feel good, that we want to spend time with, they value us, they listen to us, they are really interested in doing what's best for a group, not just for themselves. And then in adolescence, our brains make us very attuned to any way that we can get attention from others. And that becomes the second kind of popularity called status. Those are the people who are famous or visible or influential or powerful. Yes. Or in high school, they were the ones voted most popular. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have parents that want to kind of have a gauge, have control over if their kids are popular, they feel bad. I mean, should we really intervene and do anything if that's not the case? Well, I think it's really important now more than ever that kids get a message from their parents about the difference between likability and status because we live in a world now where kids are getting a ton of messages that they should care about their Instagram followers more than anything else in oh, life. Oh, I know. Um, and, you know, I think that this sends a really potentially harmful message to kids that their value can be measured by retweets. Um, mm -hmm. that, that's just not really very good for them at all. And parents might be the only ones left who can send the message that will explain to kids that actually those who are high in status are at risk for a number of negative outcomes. It's those high in likability that do better. Yes, I think that has more long-term potential, obviously. I mean, to me, it does. The people who are more likable yes. grow up to have healthier uh, bodies, better marriages, better uh, work outcomes, careers, uh, salary. They have benefits that are so impressive just from being highly likable. The ones who are high in status are at higher risk of depression, addictions, anxiety, and relationship problems. Yeah, I, I can see that because I think back to high school, the kids, the girls specifically that were very popular, I feel like that's burnout. Like you, you go somewhere else and you're a little fish in a big pond and you're thinking, what, what, what happened? 
Yeah, exactly. They peak too soon, right? I mean, they, they are a little bit more aggressive as a way of making sure that they can stay as popular, and that does not serve them well in most of the rest of contexts in our lives. You also talk about whether popularity can be inherited, and I don't know why this came to mind. I was thinking of sports figures that then have, like, sons that are probably not as athletic, and they probably feel pressure to be like their dad, to be as popular as their dad. I mean, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, there are some ways that popularity can be heritable. Um, Physically attractive parents have physically Mm -hmm. attractive kids, and, you know, that tends to be a, a part of it. But What's really interesting is that the role of parents, some parents who are not very popular at all, end up having kids who are the most popular. And by that, I mean <laughs> the most likable, I should say. Interesting. And the reason, yeah, it's, it's kind of surprising, but it might be because some of those parents really pay attention to how important this is, and they don't want their kids to experience the bad things that they did. And that's mm-hmm. good because parents can totally shape their kids' likability. What about bullying? I know you address that. Are there strategies that can help deter kids from picking on each other? Well, bullying is all about status. It's yeah. those kids that are high in status trying to push others lower so they could stay high or get higher on the popularity totem pole. One of the things that I talk about in the book is um, how parents can help those kids who are bullied because there's a lot of research that shows that parents can play a very big role in protecting the bullied they're bullied kids from having the psychological consequences that we all fear our kids will have if they are one of those who are teased and ostracized. Now, tell me about your background before I ask a few more questions about the book. I know you are a professor of psychology, the director of clinical psychology at the University of North Carolina. What kind of, would you say, led you in this direction? Well, I've always been interested in kids' mental health. So I was fascinated when to learn that research had almost accidentally discovered that one of the most powerful factors influencing kids was not their relationship with their moms, which is important, of course, mm-hmm. but also their relationship with their peers. And over oh. time, I've been interested in popularity and all of its various kind of incarnations and applications for adults and kids. I have... I kind of flagged a part of the book in acknowledgments. I have to read this. Through writing popular, I now know what it feels like to be pregnant. (laughs) It just made me (laughs) laugh when I read that. Could you elaborate? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You know, it's... uh... It was amazing to feel this kind of project gestating inside and and it taking over my whole life, it seemed, and, you know, um, and and slowly occupying every cell of my brain, you know, and and ultimately, um, and now it's out there, you know, it, and I just have to hope that it, it does well on its own without it being under my protective, you know, desktop kind of sheltering it. It's it's really been quite an experience to write and really fun to learn about all of the the ways that popularity affects us beyond what I had ever expected. What would you like people to take away from this book? Well, in addition to parents really um, knowing how to help their kids, I really think that adults can do very well by learning about how their patterns of how they interact with others are still being affected and can so easily be changed so they're not reliving their high school experiences over and over again throughout adulthood. Mm -hmm. And maybe just a little bit, I would love it if people took a moment and paused and thought about whether our society has become way too focused on status 
when only 20 years ago and for several centuries preceding, it had always been a culture focused more on likability. I don't know um, if this is a good change for us at all. Right. No, I can agree with that. I see, you know, my kids and other kids with technology, and I think it's crazy. Like, I have all these friends. I have all these followers. It's like, well, it doesn't mean anything. Right. You know? Right. Because friends, as they're called, or likes on social media, don't actually have much to do with friendship or with liking at all. Nothing. Kids need to understand that. <laughs> yeah. The theme of my show is Get the Funk Out, and we all go through life's ups and downs, as you know. Can you give advice for people that are possibly in this, you know, funky feeling? There's good evidence that if you enter a situation feeling like you might be rejected and feeling down, Mm -hmm. other people will mimic that. It actually leads other people to themselves feel down and to go ahead and reject you. But in experiments where the exact same thing happens, but people act in a more positive way, They find that everyone else says, we enjoy being with that person. They have such a great energy. And that person ends up feeling better in the long run. So to some extent, um, from what we know about studies of popularity, we can affect the world we live in by the way that we think about how we're interacting. Right. I do think about how kids are so different today as when I was growing up. And I just, like, I think about my own girls, and I just want them to just focus on being happy, not you know, thinking of I have to be popular or I, I have to be really liked. Just go out and try to be your best self and take care of yourself and the rest will come. Exactly. You talk about unpopularity predicts mortality rates. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it's funny. We spend all this time talking about dieting and exercising and other things for our health, but it turns out that popularity has a huge impact, even a stronger one than than those other factors. There's research now that suggests that being socially excluded and unpopular, it actually changes the expression of our DNA. It turns on genes that have been sitting there dormant that are there to protect us with the idea that if we're excluded from the herd, we would immediately be attacked and at harm's way. Of course, that doesn't happen anymore, but our body doesn't know that. So it kind of activates this whole inflammation response that leads to a wide variety of diseases that we now know are caused on inflammation responses. And it's so interesting. You also address, you know, people that are famous and, you know, they have this status. So, you know, we we tend to listen or maybe go against the opposite of that. You know, could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, the celebrity interviews that are included in the book really focus on how much maintaining one's status leads to this sense of people acting differently and admiring your image more than the actual person inside. And as a result, uh, people who have high status sometimes feel like it keeps them from forming genuine close connections with others. And that has a lot to do with the feelings of addiction and loneliness and isolation that celebrities actually end up feeling in the long run. Right. I mean, personally, I don't care what Tom Cruise says about things. Like, you know, I I don't hold, I don't look at celebrities, you know, oh, that, if they say it, then it must be true. You know, I think you really <laughs> have to be clear on what reality is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's our natural inclination to really want to look at and listen to and even adopt the values of people who are high in status. But in today's world, we're giving some celebrities a little bit too much attention for things they may not be qualified to talk about, and that's scary. Right. Any last bit of advice for people that 
you know, maybe they're facing their first job out of college or they're switching careers and they're just really uncertain about things. I would hope that people are able to read the book to understand how their experiences in high school may be relevant to what they're doing now and how they can beat that and not be plagued or doomed to relive their high school experiences over and over. And a part of that has to do with understanding the difference between being cool and being likable. Yes. I remember my first job out of graduate school, and I felt like a lot of the people hadn't grown up. Like, you could see the people that were really popular, they were still trying to manipulate other people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There's something about that high popularity that's all about angling and trying to make yourself seem better than others. And that's not a great recipe for long-term happiness at not all. A, not at all. Where can people find out more about you, Mitch? This is so fascinating. Oh, thanks. Well, um, my website with uh, links to the book are at mitchprinting.com. And of course, it's available. The book is available at all the major retailers. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Are you on uh, Twitter anywhere else? I am, at Mitch Princeton. Perfect. I really enjoyed having you on the show, and thank you so much. Enjoyed your book. It was great to talk to you. Thank you. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. That was Mitch Princeton calling in to talk about his book, Popular, The Power of Likeability in a Status-Obsessed World. If you missed any part of this, it will be up on my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org.